0: Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Uh, do we love our pastors? Pastors Tyler and Rachel, come on. I always want to uh, honor our pastors anytime I get a chance to preach. Um, and I always, I always say this anytime I get a chance to preach, but um, I do want to make sure that we do honor them. Uh, because what can happen a lot in our lives uh, is because something's normal to us, uh, we can think that it's normal to everyone. But um, what you have to understand is that we have some really, really, really amazing pastors, like world-class pastors, world-class leaders. Um, and I definitely want to make sure that we honor them. Just so thankful for them Uh, and who they are. Um, And then I am the youth pastor, like I said, so I do want to just give a youth update. I love getting to do this and just share some wins uh, from the school year. Just so excited about our youth ministry. Um, What's cool is, and I shared this last time, but we've been able to get on four uh, public high school campuses uh, and preach the gospel in our city. We've been on College Park, Akalani's, um, Northgate, and Campo, just preaching the gospel. And there was a point in our Uh, school year that literally over uh, 200 kids Throughout all four campuses we were hearing the gospel um, at their lunches. They were coming, eating pizza, of course, and then uh, getting saved. We had dozens of salvations on our school campuses. Um, we've had countless students get baptized. Um, they found community healed from their mental health. Just so many amazing things are happening on Sunday nights. Uh, but then this one's my favorite. Since January, we've had 159 students say yes to Jesus in our youth ministry on Sunday nights, um, which is incredible, incredible. Um, I love when God does things He can only take credit for, um, and it's amazing. And I'm so thankful um, just for the church and the support of our youth ministry. Um, and I say all of that. We got youth tonight, so come hang. Uh, it's gonna be awesome. 6 p.m. It's a big night. It's our summer kickoff. Um, so we're doing. Uh, we're calling it a mission youth um, sneak peeks. So if you have an incoming sixth grader, you can register online. Um, if they're gonna go into sixth grade next year, they can actually come tonight. Check out youth. Um, one of our kids directors, Ashley Heaney, is gonna be here. We're gonna have food for you. We're going to have all different types of stuff. And you can come even as parents and we'll have a Q&A. Um, we'll get to hang and we'll get to talk about all that happens at youth. Um, and then we're also going to honor all of our graduating seniors. Come on, can we clap for our graduating seniors? You did it. You did it. And I, so, I know some of your stories. It was by the grace of God you walked across that stage. Come on. I know some of your stories. Won't he do it? The enemy thought he had you. Uh, Jesus said, but Jesus said. Uh, if you know me at all, uh, you know that I am highly, highly, highly competitive. I'm highly, highly competitive. Uh, my family is a competitive family. Where are the competitive families at? Where you at? Where you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're competitive. We love winning. We do. We do. Where are the non-competitive families at? Yeah, raise your hand. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We already won. We won by raising our hand first. That's why I did that. I knew the order. I knew the order. I knew what we were doing. Uh, Now, what's very interesting about competitive families is when you play a game with your family, uh, both sides kind of have different mindsets. So, like, you have the non-competitive families where they're just there to have a good time. They just want community. They haven't seen their family members maybe in months. And it's just a good old time, and they're hanging, and it's great. Uh, And then you have the other side where it's about domination. Like, it's literally like... (laughs) I'm going to win this game of Monopoly no matter what it takes. Like, like, a lot of people have a line between where it's like, hey, this is my line between I know that, like, a fight's going to happen in the family, uh, but I also know that if I do this move, then I can win. Um, I don't have that line. Like, that line, it's, there, there is no line for me. Uh, I'm like, I, I calculate, okay, how long is this fight going to last? Even like, like okay, uh, uh, 30 minutes, I can deal with it. You're skipped again. Like, I'm literally like that... Guy, I'm that guy for sure. Uh, now the reason why this matters is because your goal in the game, your goal when you're playing games with your family, it, it controls everything, right? So it controls how you operate, it controls how you talk to people. I don't know if you've ever yelled during a game. Uh, we call it in our house, in our apartment game mad. Uh, like there's game mad and then there's real mad. Like we're not really mad, but we kind of are. But it's it's game mad. It's game mad. I'm just mad at the game. Uh, But it it controls how you operate. It controls how you treat people. It controls how you walk through the night. And what's going to happen in our story tonight is Jesus is talking to a group of people. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to align their goals with his goals. Because what's ended up happening is Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and, and he's hanging out with people and, and people uh, that maybe aren't, they don't have the best reputation. Uh, these people really don't really make the best decisions. And Jesus is hanging out with these people and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law ask him, Hey, why do you hang out with bad people? So they ask him, Hey, Jesus, why do you do this? They even say, Hey, this guy keeps eating with sinners. What's the deal? And Jesus goes through and he begins to tell these stories. And if you're taking notes, the title of the message today is The Lost Are Now Found. The Lost Are Now Found. And in Luke 15, I love what the Bible says. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. So Jesus is telling the story. And it says, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, everybody say all, All. set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that his pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Everybody say anything. Let's pray one more time before we get into the message. God, I thank you that you're a God that wants the lost found. That you're a God that when we're lost, you don't uh, just watch us, you don't just spectate, but you come and find us. So God, I thank you that we would just realize that today, and I pray over anyone uh, who maybe feels as though they're lost. Would you help us to realize that you were with us, that you were for us, and you have a plan for our lives. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Uh, now, who in here is very impatient? Who in here is very impatient? Just impatient. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I promise. I promise. I, I, I tell our students this a lot. Our church is a Planet Fitness church. No judgment zone. All right? No judgment zone. Uh, I don't know about you, but at Planet Fitness, they even hand out pizza. They really don't judge you there. Like, <laughs> hey, I'm working out pizza. Like, it's cool. It's cool. So raise your hand again. Who in here is impatient? It's okay. It's okay. Um, now, uh, I have looked up some statistics that show that, honestly, all of us are impatient. All of us. All of us are impatient. Uh, the first one, there was a study that was done. Uh, 96% of Americans will knowingly consume extremely hot food or drink that burns their mouth. Who in here has ever... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. There's 96, so if you're not raising your hand, we love you. Um, but... That means 96% of us have literally even heard, hey, hey, don't drink it yet. It's a little hot. Okay, okay, okay. <sighs> like, like anyone ever done this? Anyone, anyone, anyone. Like literally, and then here's what's crazy. 63% do so frequently. That means that you're doing it every day. Almost every day. I know it's going to be hot, but I need it. I need it now. I need it now. The next one is more than half of Americans, hang up the phone after being on hold for one minute or less. Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, that means that, that means that you're literally on the phone. Hey, I'm so sorry. Can I just put you on hold for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. <laughs> Click, like, no, like more than not even a minute. Uh, nearly a third, and, and now I'm, I'm about to be 30 so I can talk about the younger generation. Like yeah, 18 to 24, the young ones. Uh, wait, less than one second before bypassing a slow walker. Like who in here, like you don't like when people walk in front of you, that's slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less than a second. So you're walking, that means you take one look and it's like, nope, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I got to get around the mall. Uh, This is my favorite one. When waiting for a table at a restaurant, nearly a quarter of respondents, ages 18 to 24, wait less than one minute before approaching the host again. Before approaching the host again. So hey, oh, we're so glad you're here. Your, your table, it's going to be ready in a second. Oh, that's awesome, that's awesome, that's awesome. Is my table ready yet? We've been waiting forever. We are impatient people. We are impatient people. Why? Because we want what we want, when we want it, and we want it right now. Give it to me right now. I don't want to wait. I want it now. And this is where the sun in this story is. You see, what ends up happening is he goes to his father and he says, Hey, hey, father, I want my inheritance. Now, if you know anything about inheritances, which we, we live in the Bay Area, so I'm sure that most of you do, uh, that what this means. <laughs> oh, was that going to pull that one out? of the I didn't know that wasn't. That's not an insult. It's a great area. Jeez. <laughs> that wasn't an insult. It's a compliment. Well done. Uh, You don't get the inheritance until after the person that owns it dies. So what he's saying is, hey, dad, I don't really care about your life. I don't really care about what you've done for me. I don't really care about the things that you've given me. I want what I want, when I want it, and I want it now. And this is how you and I will live our lives. I don't want to wait till I'm older I want it now. I don't want to wait till I'm married. I want it now. I don't want to wait for that promotion. I want it now. And what we'll do is we'll live life with no structure and we'll live life with no guidance and we'll live life with no, everybody say, boundaries. For point number one, write this down. Lost people live without boundaries. Lost people live without boundaries. The Bible says he spent everything, he spent whatever. He wasn't processing how much he was spending. He wasn't processing the amount. He wasn't processing where it was going. He wasn't processing how much was left. He spent everything. He spent it wherever. He spent it whenever. He spent it however. And this is how you and I will live our lives. We'll just date whoever. We'll just work wherever. We'll just say whatever. We'll just live life with no boundaries why is this important I tell this to our students all the time anything in your life that does not have boundaries is dangerous anything and I'll even do this illustration with them and I'll say okay who in here likes ice cream and all the students would be like yeah we love it and I'm like okay okay who in here would be pumped if after service I was like oh, we got you free ice cream outside and all the students are like yes best youth pastor ever. And I'm like, yeah. Now who in here would still be just as pumped if I said for the rest of your lives, all you could eat is ice cream. And all the kids are like, ew, except for the middle school boys who were like, cool. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you don't get it. You're ruining the illustration. Uh, why? Because anything in your life that does not have boundaries is dangerous. We even see this. Who in here has ever seen the movie Supersize Me? Anyone? Yeah, yeah. They used to show this uh, in school. I don't know if they do anymore, but basically what happened is this guy says, hey, I'm going to do an experiment. And for a certain amount of time, all I'm going to do is I'm going to eat McDonald's for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner. Yeah, disgusting. So he, he does this, and it's and it's gross, and, he, and they do this whole documentary on it, and they show this in class. And, and then, obviously, after a certain amount of time goes by. He goes to the doctor. And the doctor's like, hey, uh, if you keep doing this, you're going to die. And he's like, and he just gets so devastated. Like, oh, this is my life's work. Like, how? And he's, like, shocked. He's shocked at, at the condition that he's left in. He ate whatever he wanted. He lived however he wanted. And he's shocked at the condition that it left him in. And what's very interesting is that you and I, We'll eat whatever we want from the world. We'll eat whatever we want from culture. We'll eat whatever we want from the media. And then we're shocked at the condition that it's left us in. We're shocked at the anxiety that it's left us in. We're shocked at the depression. We're shocked at the addiction. We're shocked at the condition that it's left us in. Lost people live without boundaries. Therefore, point number two, lost people are never satisfied. Lost people are never satisfied He spent everything, and what does the Bible say? It left him hungry. It says he spent everything, and yet he's starving. What living for the world is like is it's like, imagine you just finished a long day at work, and imagine you, like, killed it. Like, you ever had one of those days where you're like, I killed it at work, I crushed it, and you worked so hard, and it was awesome, and you even worked through lunch. You you were like, "I'm, I'm going the extra mile today, and then you get home, and you're there, and you look on the dinner table, And your favorite meal is there. I want you to think about your favorite meal and you're starving and you're like, oh, I I worked hard, I earned this meal. And then all of a sudden you take a bite and every time that you take a bite, you're hungrier than when you first got there. And this is exactly how sin operates in our lives, that it tells you, oh, wow, this is gonna fulfill me. Wow, this is gonna fill my appetite and yet it leaves you hungrier than when you first started. (laughs) It leaves you more addicted than when you first started. It leaves you more anxious than when you first started. The Bible even talks about this in Proverbs. It says, an appetite for good brings much satisfaction, but the belly of the wicked always wants more. It says it always wants more, you always need more, you always desire more. This is how it works, is that you think, oh, I just got to get it out of my system, I just have to do this, but I, and then what happens, you want more, and then it becomes a part of your habits, and then it becomes a part of your life, and then it becomes a part of who you are to the point that you cannot say no to it. Right. And can I give you some truth? If you cannot say no to it, you're a slave to it. Right. If you cannot say no to your job, you're a slave to your job. If you cannot say no to your kids, you're a slave to your kids. If you cannot say no to your relationship, you're a slave to your relationship. And it does not take your soul long to realize that it cannot be fulfilled with the tangible. It doesn't. It doesn't take your soul long to realize that the things of this world will not fill you. Why? Because just because it helps you in the moment doesn't mean it's going to heal you in the future. Just because it helps you in the moment doesn't mean it's going to heal you in the future. I remember when I was little. And I was playing backyard football. And if you ever played, who's, who's ever played backyard football? Yeah, when you were, yeah, backyard football. You know that this is like, you cannot tell a, seven, a seven-year-old the difference between backyard football and war. Like, they are literally the same in their brain. So I'm, I'm, I'm there, and, and you're playing backyard football. And if you play real backyard football, you play tackle, no pads, no helmet. It's super safe. Uh, so we're there. And I look down, and I get tackled, and, and my knee's, like, gushing blood. And I'm like, what is going on? And I realized that we had lived in an apartment complex. I landed on a bottle cap when I got tackled, and it got stuck in my knee. Oh. Yeah, ew, disgusting. So it's gr- gushing blood, and I go inside. But, like, one of the hardest things, like, and I, and I don't have kids, but, but, but I, I've, I've babysat, you know? One of the hardest things, <laughs> I've babysat. I've watched. I have nephews and nieces. Uh one of the hardest things at least when you're babysitting uh, is to get your kid out of play mode like like they're still like I'm still in like backyard football mode like like you you would think that what the reality was was I had to go inside because my leg was gushing but in my mind I just went into the tunnel and I'm talking to a trainer not my mom so I'm literally like all right I got to get back out there my team needs me like she's she's like no we need to slow down and it's gushing blood and and she's cleaning it And I'm like mom just throw a band-aid on it and she's like you can't you're bleeding like it's this terror like I have to clean it and a lot of us in our lives what we'll do is we'll have open wounds and what we'll do is we'll go to the things of this world and we'll just put a band-aid on it we'll just we'll just put a band-aid on it what happens when you're maybe stressed out and you go to a vice what are you doing you're putting a band-aid on an open wound What happens when you're hurting and you run to something? What are you doing? You're putting a Band-Aid on an open wound. Why is this a problem? Because Band-Aids do not heal wounds. They only cover them. So we have to understand today, as Band-Aids do not heal wounds, they only cover them. So what happens is we'll put Band-Aids on open wounds. He spent everything, and it left him hungry. He spent everything trying to fulfill himself for the world, and it left him empty. Why? Because lost people live with no boundaries, so lost people are never satisfied. And that's not how the story ends. Thankfully, that would be a very discouraging message for sure. If I'm like, all right, call the band up, let's pray. Uh, But (laughs) thankfully, there's more to the story, and I love how the story continues. It says, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. And I love this part. It says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. I want to pause right there. So he's going home and he has no idea what to expect. And the father saw him and had compassion on him. And a lot of us, when we think that we make this decision to go to church, we make this decision to go home, what ends up happening is we think that God's going to see us and be frustrated with us. God's going to see us and be angry at us. God's going to see us and he's going to punish us. But what happened? He saw him and he had compassion on him. He saw him and he loved him. He saw him and he met him where he was. And as the keys come up, we're going to close and it says he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Celebrate. So how does God respond when we come home? How does God respond? The first thing that he does is he reminds you who you are. That's what he does. He reminds you who you are. So what does he give him? He gives him a couple items, and I'm going to do my best to explain some of the meaning behind these items, but he gives him a robe and he gives him sandals. We have to understand about sandals is when you're in a house, servants don't get sandals. Only family members do. Servants don't wear sandals in, in these times. Only family members get sandals. He gives them a robe. This is something that would have been given to an honored guest. This is something that would have been given to someone that you care about. I remember, uh, and I've shared this story before, but I was living in Florida and had the opportunity to work some of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers games uh, before Tom Brady got there and they were good. So I don't know if that's a flex or like just terrible information and I'm venting, um, but it's one or the other. Um, so I got to work these games and, and we're there. And, and my friend's dad is like, and I'm there and I'm ready to like work. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm probably not even going to be able to like watch the game, but it's all good. Like, I'm just excited to hang out. And then you don't even get paid. All of the money goes to charity. So I'm like, okay, all good. Like, like, let's just work. I show up and I'm ready to work. And he comes to me and he goes, and I'm like, okay, okay. What do you, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? And he goes, oh, you can just uh, stand in the end zone and just hang out. It's your first time. It's your first time. I want you to enjoy it. And I'm like, wait, Like, what? Like, I want to work. Like, I want to work. Like, I want to help. And he's like, no, 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 it's okay. Like, it's fine. This isn't going to be, like, it's fine. Just go ahead, stand in the end zone, and enjoy the game. So I stand there. I caught a kickoff. It was awesome. Like, I was like, did I just get signed? I probably could have at that time. They were terrible. They were terrible. Like, who is that? Get him a contract. Uh, They were so bad. They were so bad. Watched a lot of L's in Tampa. Um, But I showed up ready to work. And he says, hey, no, it's, it's cool. Don't worry about it. Just enjoy the game. And what's very interesting about this story is that the son shows up ready to work. He shows up ready. He's like, okay, it's fine. It's cool. I understand. I made a mistake. I understand I messed up. I made some really, really bad decisions. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to work really hard, and then my dad will love me. Come on. So what I'm going to do. No, 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 I'm going to work. I got a speech. It's ready. I'm going to work really hard, and then he'll accept me. And, and then I'll be in his good graces and maybe one day I can be restored, but, but I got to work. And what I love about this story is the father stops him in his tracks and he says, hey, be- before you even come into the house, you need to know you're not coming into the house as a hired servant. You're coming in as a son. You're not coming into the house to work for my love. You're coming into the house to enjoy my love. You're coming in the house to enjoy my grace. You're coming in the house to enjoy my peace. It is not supposed to be worked for. It is supposed to be given. One of the biggest lies of the enemy and what he wants you to believe is that you're having an identity crisis. I don't know who I am. I don't know. God, I struggled. God, I'm here. I, I made some mistakes. I don't know. I don't know who I am anymore. Do you love me? Do you not? I know. What I, I have to work. I have to work and then you'll love me. I, I don't know. I don't know who I am anymore. And yet what happens is we have to be able to stand on scripture. We have to be able to stand on the word of God and say, hey, I'm not here in order to strive, but I'm here in order to receive. Can I encourage you, if you had to work for anything, there was no reason for Jesus to go to the cross. What did he say? It is finished. Always finished striving. Always finished the work. He reminds you who you are. And the last thing is he restores you. And he gives him this ring. And what happens is this ring would have been a signet ring. So he gives him this ring and this ring has a ton of meaning it has a ton of stuff going on about this ring, but one of the things that I found very interesting about this ring is that you can now approve transactions on behalf of the family. So what is the thing that the son lost? Somebody just yelled out. What do you lose? Money. And what was the thing that the father restored to him? Money. Why? Because when you return to the father, when you return home, he has the ability to restore everything that you lost while you were living for the world. He has the ability to restore everything that you lost. Have you lost your purity? God can restore that this morning. Have you lost your confidence? God can restore that this morning. Have you lost everything? God can restore that this morning. We serve a God that does not wanna say, hey, I know that you lost some things, but then you have to work to get it back. But he says, no, no, I'm meeting you while you're a long way off. So are you a long way off from God this morning? Have you done some things? Is the distance between you and God far? Can I give you some good news? That distance doesn't have to be traveled by you. But while you were a long way off, but while you were still in your sin, but while you were still smelling like pigs, while you still had nothing, while you had no shoes on, while you had no robe, God met you where you were and he loved you and he cared for you and he gave you everything. Come on, is anyone thankful for the love of God this morning? Come on, is anyone thankful for the grace of God this morning? Is anyone thankful you're not where you should be? Is anyone thankful you're not where you could be? But by the grace of God, God. What does he do? He reminds you who you are and he restores you. So why does this matter? We ask this question every single week at youth. Why does this matter? And I love the action point of this. It says, What did he do? He came to his senses. It says he came to his senses. And what did he do? He got up and he went to the Father. Can I encourage you? The difference between you being lost and the difference between you being found is not the distance between you and God, but it's are you willing to get up and go to the Father? See, the distance doesn't matter because the distance isn't traveled by you. But what did he have to do? He had to come to his senses. He had to say, okay, okay, I'm willing to go home. You see, I've seen a lot of people get lost because of their desires, but a lot of people stay lost because of insecurity. I don't know how my dad's gonna react. I don't know. I don't know what he's gonna say. I don't know what's gonna happen, but can I encourage you? When you decide, I wanna come home, when you decide, I wanna be a part of the things of God, what does he do? He reminds you who you are, and he restores you. You don't have to stay feeding pigs. You don't have to stay in the slop, but you can come home to the Father. Let's stand to our feet. We're gonna pray today. We ask this question every single week here at Mission Church, and if you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus, at our youth ministry, we say this means two things. The first one is, Jesus, I want you in my life. Say that there are things in my life that are going on that I don't want to try to continue to strive for and work on for my own, but I want to accept a Savior. And the second thing is just I want you in my heart that I'm lost, that I don't know where I'm going, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm willing to come home. And if that's you, with every read about every and everybody close, I'm going to count to three and I'd love for you to just raise your hand. We're not going to ask you your story. We're not going to ask you to share anything. We just want to know who we're praying for. And if that's you on the count of three, just go ahead and raise your hand. One, two, three. It's awesome, it's awesome. Anyone else give you a couple more seconds? You can look about me. We're gonna pray this prayer. It's called the sinner's prayer. And the reason why we prayed is because we believe that we're all sinners saved by grace. So repeat after me, say, dear Jesus, come into my life, make me brand new. Forgive me of my past as I choose today to make you Lord of my life for the rest of my life. And God, I thank you that your word tells us that we're new creations, that the old has passed away and that the new has come. So I thank you for moments like this that remind us that we're not just new, but we're made new by your grace. We're made new by your mercy and we're made new by your love. God, I pray over anyone in here who feels lost, who feels as though they're they're just feeding pigs. They've given everything. God, would you remind us that we can come to our senses and go home and that the minute that we take a step towards you, you come across the galaxies to meet us the minute that we walk towards you, you come across the galaxies and you celebrate. It's not to punish. It's not to judge, but it's to say the lost are now found. Thank you, God, for the grace that you've poured into our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons.